Starship Geek. We are talking about episode 10 of the Netflix show The Sandman. This one entitled Lost Hearts. The episode starts right where we left off, just after Funland is killed by the Corinthian. We see a blood trail that uh, leads off from to a door, which clearly Corinthian has stashed Funland in, and he tells Rose and Jed that he is trying to save them from Morpheus. Rose tells Jed to fuck off while she talks to the Corinthian. She correctly tells him that he must be the missing nightmare. Rose says that he knows Morpheus is watching them. Corinthian claims that as soon as she falls asleep, Morpheus will kill her. If she protects, er, if he protects her and kills Morpheus, she'll be safe and in charge while he is safe from harm. The good doctor arrives to tell Corinthian it's time for his keynote speech, and he asks Rose to wait for him. Rose says she is taking Jed and going home. Corinthian says it's not safe for them to wander around the hotel, and it's also not safe for either of them to leave, since other things can get them out there. He gives her both keys and heads downstairs. Now, Rose seems like a very intelligent woman, and she has Jed now, and she has to know... Corinthian's not a good guy. She flat out says he's the missing nightmare. She watched him kill Funland. He is there at a serial killer convention. Everything about the guy is a red flag. That being said, Morpheus has been pretty upfront with her and explaining to her that she's got to die. So I, I get that she's sort of rocking a hard place here. The Corinthian gives his speech, and he talks about meeting so many people like him. He says they're not killing people to make a living or doing it for revenge. They kill to kill. He says that people don't see what they do, but he sees them. He has everyone close their eyes and picture themselves. And it's pretty clear that what's happening here is that Corinthian is creating a shared dream for them. Because we, sh we see that they all are sort of in connected rooms dealing with their own victims. You got uh, the good doctor is performing an autopsy on a person. Uh, there's a gentleman that is just taking skin off of a body. And Nimrod is there as well, also removing organs. We get a few shots of them. And then the Corinthian sees Morpheus standing before him. And we actually see that Rose has fallen asleep. So she seems to maybe have set this up. Unintentionally, probably, but Corinthian probably is using her abilities. She gets up out of bed and grabs Jed and goes running. Morpheus tells Corinthian that he has disappointed him. He calls him his masterpiece, but Corinthian has infected others with his joy of death, but has given them nothing in return. Corinthian asks what Morpheus will do now, send him back into the dreams of people. He proceeds to take out a knife, which Morpheus laughs at. He then puts out his hand to turn Corinthian back into sand, but Corinthian stabs him in his hand. Corinthian says Rose is getting stronger every second, while Morpheus is getting weaker. We see that Rose isn't actually awake, but she is dreamwalking, because she finds the killers working on the bodies of their victims. Corinthian says that all of the killers there are dreaming the same dream, the one he inspired. 
Morpheus calls out to Rose to wake up, and Corinthian appears before her and tells her not to because this is her dream. Morpheus arrives and tells her that this is actually his dream, not hers. Corinthian tells her that this, uh, that she is now the ruler of the dreaming. And Morpheus explains that when the vortex brings down the walls of the dreaming, she creates a new dream that will collapse into itself and take the waking world with it. Dream says it happened before. He failed and an entire universe was destroyed. Rose tells them both to shut up, and she says if she is so powerful, she will find her own way, but the walls of the dreaming will go back up. She thanks them, because now she is wide awake. And now she wakes up for real this time in the real world. So Dream says that this happened before, that a vortex took down the dreaming and took an entire universe with them. But Dream is still there. And I know that the kind of tagline for the show has been that the endless never fade. So it's interesting that the entire universe folded into a vortex, and yet he's still there. And so are his brothers and sisters. So can Rose actually kill him? And even if she does manage to take him out and it like collapses in itself, does he just come back? It's an interesting question to see what how he managed to survive the last time. Corinthian takes off his glasses and says he's not going back. Dream tells him he is not going back at all. And Corinthian says he kills so he can taste what it's like to be human. He says a dream only cares about his rules and his realm. Morpheus tells him that without his rules, the entire dreaming would crush him and everything would be gone. Morpheus says that this is his fault. He created him poorly and must uncreate him now. He proceeds to then destroy the Corinthian, and the Corinthian's final words are, I'm only sorry I won't be here to see Rose Walker do the same to you. Corinthian is reduced to nothing more than a tiny skull with teeth in its eye sockets. Dream picks up it and says next time when he makes him, he won't be so flawed and petty. Dream then turns his attention to the collectors. He tells them the dream is over. They will no longer dream about being the victim. They will know exactly how craven and selfish they are. They will now feel the pain of everyone that they have slaughtered. We see that the good doctor calls 911 on herself and says that she wants to turn herself in. And Nimrod goes into his car and blows his brains out. Rose and Jed then drive off. Matthew asks if Dream wants him to follow Rose, and he says that she is not a threat when she is awake, and tonight, when she goes to sleep, he will end this. Jed asks Rose if their mother is still sick. She tells him that, of course, she died a few months ago. But she does say that she never gave up trying to get him back. It's just that their father didn't really want to give him up. Jed says that it's just the two of them now, and Rose says, no, it's actually not, because we have a great-grandmother, Unity, and I still have Lyda, as well as some of the other people from the home. Lyda calls her to tell her that the baby is coming. Barbie and Ken are with her, and so Rose and Jed drive to the hospital. Chantel and Hal both ask if Rose knew Lyda was pregnant, and Ken comes over and tells them that she is only three centimeters, and Barbie asks who told him that. Ken says the nurse, and she's really nice, and Barbie looks over to see a very attractive woman and says, yes, yeah, she looks nice too. They ask where Gilbert is, but of course nobody knows. 
Hale asks who the baby daddy is, but Rose says it's too late to call anybody, but she does have one person that she can talk to. So she goes and calls Unity. Rose tells her that Jed is safe with her, and she asks if something happens to her if she could take care of Jed. Unity says she was going to ask them both to come live with her anyways. Rose goes back to the group, and Chantel offers to tell her something Zelda would recite to cheer her up. Before she gets a chance to, though, Rose comes, or a nurse comes to get Rose. She goes and talks to Lyda, and Rose says a dream is going to kill her tonight because otherwise the entire world will die. Lyda tells her that she has the power to kill Dream, and Rose says that she doesn't want to. Lyda tells Rose to kill Dream because she is in charge now. It's all good and fine. I understand Lyda is pissed because Dream took Hector away. But to just say, just kill that dude over and over again to this poor girl, like, you don't know the the weight behind it. You don't know what's going to happen if that occurs. Like, you don't know much of anything of what's going on. Rose remembers her interactions with Dream and Corinthian, and she opens a door in the Dream world and finds Hal on stage again. Hal sings with himself in drag, and Rose tries to leave, and as she slams her shoulder into a door, all the walls fall down, and she is back in the field. Only this time, she has somehow brought Hal and Chantel with her. Zelda, the child, arrives as well, and Barbie as a princess arrives as well as Martin Tenbones. Ken's car is in a field, as he is getting a blowy from another woman, so Rose has now pulled everyone into this shared dream. The sky starts to grow dark as a vortex appears, and then the ground opens up, and we see that Barbie and Ken get sucked into the vortex and explode. Zelda and Chantel fall in next. Hal grabs Rose's arm, but he gets sucked in. And then Jed comes running up to try to save her, and he gets shredded as well. Dream arrives, and he says that she has caused a great deal of damage, but it's nothing he can't repair. Her friends are alive, but they are not safe until the vortex is dead. Unity appears in a library with Lucien. Unity asks for the story of her life. But she does not want to read the story of her actual life. She wants to read the book of her unlived life. Unity finds the book, and then Lucien realizes who this woman is. So the, the library that we get has every book that's ever been written, will ever be written, and including books that were never going to be written, but were possible lives of people. Dream tells Rose that death isn't such a bad thing. His raven was once mortal, and she could stay in the dreaming if she wants to. Gilbert then runs up to stop Dream from killing her, and Dream tells her that this is Fiddler's Green. Gilbert offers his own life to save hers, but Dream says it doesn't work that way. Rose asks why a vortex even exists if they're just meant to be killed. Dream doesn't know, but Gilbert has a theory. He says that they exist because humans dream, and sometimes the dreams need to be reminded of that. Morpheus says he cannot find it in his heart to punish Gilbert, but he says that it is time for him to return to his previous role. Rose asks what that is, and Gilbert says, Oh, I wasn't a person. I was a place. He was a place that 
turned himself into a human in order to feel what it was like to be human. And Gilbert asks that after her death, she come and walk through his forest and feel his leaves. Gilbert then erupts into an an entire forest that engulfs around them. Morpheus says that he does not wish to take her life, but it is his responsibility. Dream apologizes again, and Rose tells him that she is ready to do whatever is needed to save her friends and her brother. Lucien and Unity then arrive. Unity says that she was meant to be the vortex of this age. Because Dream was imprisoned and she was stuck sleeping, it passed on to Rose. Dream says he doesn't understand, and Unity says, oh, you must not be very bright. She asks Rose to dig deep down and transfer whatever makes her the vortex into Unity. Unity tells her, since you are dreaming, anything is possible. Rose pulls out a giant heart-shaped ruby, and she gives it to Unity. Unity says that he must leave Rose alone now because she is the vortex now. Dream shatters the heart and kills Unity, but of course, since they're in the dreaming, she doesn't go anywhere. She asks what happens happened, and Dream tells her. Rose says she is sorry, and Unity says that she was meant to die years ago. But she says without all of this going on, she would have never met the man with the golden eyes and never had her daughter. This sparks something in Dream, and he turns and asks if the father of her child really had golden eyes. Unity says she never saw anything like that before, and Dream says he has. We then cut to Desire, slowly looking up as his eyes glow golden. Fucking actual chills from that reveal. I did not think that was coming. That this whole thing, this whole vortex thing, has been put into effect because of desire. So this was what they were talking about before. This is what he specifically said that he was working on doing. Is Unity was supposed to be the vortex. And Dream would have either had to kill her when she was younger or would most likely have killed her when she was an adult because that seemed to be about the time that she was going there but because of the fact that he got in, got captured she was just going to be sitting there as the vortex which means that as soon as Dream got out he would have no problem killing an old lady instead he goes and I mean I guess her dream self was willing, but definitely her body was just sitting there and made her have a baby. So then the daughter was the vortex. And then once she had a daughter, which was Rose, it passed on to her. So this whole thing was just to try to get him to kill Rose Walker. But, of course, didn't work out that way. Unity says that Mr. Holdaway will make sure that she and Jed have everything she needs. Dream says that Jed and Rose are children of the Endless and have suffered enough. He tells her goodbye, and she wakes up. So that's the other thing, too, is because of the fact that Desire and Dream are brothers, that means that Rose and Jed are the... Oh, that... Yeah... They're the, they're the niece and nephew of Dream, even though it, there's a whole, like, generational gap there. Because, well, no, they're, 
they're the sorry the, the grand niece and nephew because their mother was the one that that is dream's actual uh niece so yeah they are the grand niece and nephew of dream so he almost had to kill them which would have been terrible rose gets a text from Lyda, which is a picture of her son Rose and Jed go to see the baby, and Lyda says she thought about naming the child Hector, but the baby deserves his own name. Jed says that people only use your name when you're in trouble, so as long as the baby doesn't have a name, he can't get in trouble. Barbie and Ken walk up as Jed and Rose leave the room. Rose and Jed are going to head to New Brunswick, and Hal asks if they can drop him off in New York so he can try to pursue his dreams. Zelda speaks for the first time and says that they will buy the house from him. Dream goes to his gallery and grabs Desire's sigil, which is a large heart. Dream says he is coming there, and he desires nothing from Desire except for answers. He says that Unity Kincaid was supposed to be the Vortex, but someone fathered a child with her knowing it would become the Vortex and he would have to kill it. Dream says that the Endless are the servants of the living, not their masters. They do not manipulate them. He says the desire, despair, and even delirium would do well to remember that. He asks if desire thinks the three of them would be strong enough to stand against death, destiny, and dream. Desire says no, but laments how he has gotten under dream's skin. Desire says next time, he'll draw blood. It's interesting, of course, because we we haven't met... Uh, destiny. We have obviously met desire and death and dream. And we've seen despair. I don't remember us meeting delirium either. So we do have two siblings that are unaccounted for. And I don't know if we'll see them in the final episode or if we'll get them next season. But that's it's cool that we sort of have this uh, mystery between... Be, behind like what their intentions are but it sounds like dream counts death and destiny as two people that are on his side so if you have the three versus three that could be very interesting i think that obviously the powers that we've seen with death destiny and dream seems like it'd be a much better pairing and desire seems to make note of the fact that he understands he can't stand up to the three of them. Dream is busy crafting some new dreams when Lucienne arrives. She says that a new book appeared in the library, one written by Rose. She loves the book, but Dream might not like the depiction of the king in the story. And we see that Rose is legit writing this book in the real world, and she sends it off to a publisher. Lucienne asks if he is creating new nightmares to replace Galt and Corinthian. Dream says that the world does not need another Corinthian right now, and he asks her to keep his little baby skulls safe for a little bit. Dream says that he is actually finishing up a dream, and Morpheus tells her to say hello to his new dream, Galt. He has now provided Galt with wings, and Lucienne says that she looks beautiful. Dream tells her that he had no right to return after a century and expect everything to be the same when he, as when he left. He says that Galt and Lucien both tried to tell him this, but he wasn't listening then, but he's listening now. 
Galt flies off after saying thank you, and Dream says that he may be here for a while, and he asks Lucien to take care of things while he works for a bit. So you can pretty well assume this as a season finale, because everything is pretty much wrapped up, and Dream seems to have a new understanding and appreciation for a lot of different things. Now, as you're seeing with the series, they're more concerned about telling you the story instead of drawing out one story into a full season, and we'll take as many or as few episodes as we need in order to tell this section of the story before moving on to the next one. And we, other than maybe, obviously, the, the Corinthian being a story from first episode to this episode here, everything else was sort of, you know, we had a little storyline here, a little storyline there. You had Galt kind of come back for this one. And, you know, we've obviously seen some of the things too. There, that This is not really a season that I felt was built like a lot of other ones, where um, they were actually like wrapping up things throughout the, out this, this season. And again, we have one more episode to go, so I don't know what they're going to be doing for that one, because we've pretty well, like, finished everything off. So where does the story take us next? Well, it takes us to hell. Lucifer is greeted by Mazikeen, and she says they have a few demon battles prepared for her amusement. Lord Azazel has arrived to speak with her. Azazel, which appears as just a rip in space with several blue eyes and teeth coming out of them, tells Lucifer that they have assembled together to battle her enemy, Dream of the Endless. Lucifer asks if they wish to invade the Dreaming, then the Waking World, and then the Silver City, and Azazel says that none of them can leave Hell, so they would have to expand Hell until it is all that exists. The generals demand action against Dream, and Lucifer says that she will act. Mazikeen says that Azazel is not to be trusted, Lucifer says that, yeah, that's true, but she has to do something, and she's going to do something that she's never done before. It's something that will make God livid and bring Morpheus to his knees. We see a crowd of demons all chant for Lucifer as the episode ends. If there wasn't a next episode, I would say this is a perfect season finale. It wrapped everything up, it's set up next season. It does exactly what you're supposed to do. So, again, I'm I'm very curious as to what the next episode is. And it seems like it's two different stories, possibly. And it's a little longer. than It's about 15 minutes longer than your normal episode. So, yeah, I guess you'll have to join me next week to see exactly what happens in that episode. But... I would say this was a very good first season. I very much enjoyed it. I thought that there were some spectacular storylines. And I'm very excited for second season because there is so much going on here. And yeah, hopefully it comes back soon. We know it's coming back, but hopefully it's back sooner than later. Until then, though, thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Bye-bye.